City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amado here tonight. Ashika Caesar. And coming up over the next 90 minutes. Our members have not received their salaries. So we will want to find out why 1st of March February salaries have not been paid. Grumbling by government workers gets louder as February's salaries fail to drop one whole working day after the end of the month. Tonight we ask, is at the beginning of the prophecy by Speaker Bagbin on the issue of salaries? If something is not done within the next three months, government may not even be able to pay salaries. So we have to take leadership. We have to do a lot of things. Also coming up, Attorney General Godfrey Ibuadame slams opposition NDC for petitioning Commonwealth on what he termed the injustices of the Akufado government. He says that amounts to undermining the country's sovereignty. And later on Eyewitness News, fuel prices break the eight as a litre now sells for eight Ghana cities, 29 pesos at least. This is what is happening at total fuel stations. Other fuel stations are yet to make the announcement. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News and in business. Traders Advocacy Group Ghana warns of an increase in the prices of goods on the market following the implementation of the new benchmark values discount policy. That's in some 15 minutes with Ellen Dapa of the City Business Desk. Eyewitness News is live across the country on a number of affiliate stations including in the western region, Adrimpa 100.7 in Takwa Bono region, we are on Storm 101.9 FM in Sunyani, in the Ashanti region on Alpha Radio 104.9 in Kumasi, in the Volta region on Global 105.1 FM in Ho, Adanu FM 107.7 FM in Adakluaya is also bringing you this broadcast. In the Northern region, we are on Diamond 93.7 FM in Tamale, in the Upper West region, we are on Westlink 88.1 FM in Laura. In the Upper East Region, Source 100.1 FM in Boko is bringing you this broadcast. And in the Northeast Region, we are live on SCAP 101.3 FM on the Nakpanduri Escapment. Join us. The show is interactive. Send your messages on WhatsApp 0549-986-996. That's WhatsApp and Telegram 0549-986-996. You can also send tweets using the hashtag City Newsroom. Tweet at Umaru Sanda or at City973. And still on Eyewitness News tonight, first batch of 17 Ghanaian students arrived from Ukraine as government of Ghana begins the evacuation process following the pummeling of that country by Russia. But first... The Attorney General and Minister of Justice, Godfrey Yabuadami, has described an attempt to undermine the sovereignty of Ghana, a petition by the opposition NDC to the Commonwealth Secretariat against the Nanado administration. The NDC, in its petition signed by the General Secretary Johnson Isidun Kiti, accused the Nanado administration of human rights abuses and harassment and again intimidation of opposition. Speaking to journalists today, Mr. Dami said things are simply unfounded. First of all, uh, my reaction is that I find it as a very hypocritical and misleading statement. 
very hypocritical and misleading because clearly for me it's an attempt to run away from justice. Um, all the government has sought to do is to ensure that the NDC and the acts of its officers are brought to book. And indeed, I will not say that at all in my quest to ensure that there's accountability for the people of Ghana. The cases that we have investigated and the actions that we have filed in court are all on account of solid evidence that we have on earth through painstaking invest investigations. We do not just come to court on the spot of the moment or without any basis at all. It is as a result of thorough and painstaking investigations conducted by the government. Some of the cases, investigations have actually gone on for about five or, or six years. And indeed, we are seeing the results of the ashes. And therefore, I find it very hypocritical and misleading for the NDC original secretary to make such allegations. And I'm not surprised. This is actually not the first time that the NDC or a person associated with the NDC has sought to um, find refuge in the international forum, especially when the person is being brought to book or accountability is being sought for the actions of that person. I can cite the instance of, 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 of Afriboyome. You were in this court, you followed proceedings in the court, you saw how Afriboyome sought refuge in the African Court of Human Rights, alleging bias on the part of the Supreme Court of Ghana. The African Court of Human Rights stated in no uncertain terms that his action was without any basis at all and that the Supreme Court of Ghana was right in enforcing the laws of Ghana. We may actually pursue the matter on, on, on a review. The review panel of the African Court of Human Rights unanimously dismissed his review application. So I'm not surprised at all. I mean, I think that um, all these recourse to foreign tribunals and all are a ruse. They are a ruse to avoid the MPP and the NDC from facing um, justice. And I am saying that no amount of distraction will deter me from ensuring that justice is sought for the people of Ghana. Look at the, the facts of the Atuforsi matter. The facts show clearly that no parliamentary approval whatsoever was sought for the um, for, 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 for the transaction involving Big C. Big C is a foreign entity and we all know under Article 181 Clause 5 of the Constitution any foreign international business transaction must be in accordance with, with with, 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 with the approval of parliament. There was no approval by parliament, and, and indeed the facts also show that all the necessary relevant agreements governing the transaction were violated. And so if, if as a result of that, there's also financial laws in the state, how can it be wrong for a criminal action to be mounted against them? And I think that rather than resorting to all these shenanigans, they ought to properly put their house in order and mount a credible defense to the action. The defense must be Mounted in the court and not in the court of public opinion. I mean, the law courts and not the court of public opinion. What about the concern that they raise that since the exception of the Nanado administration, state institutions have become very weak, but legal institutions have become very weak. So they have no, no other policy about that. And state institutions have become very weak. And then human rights, there are various human rights abuses. Completely unjustified. It is this same opening who had a ruling by the Supreme Court in his favor. And I also deployed the um, legal process to ensure that the ruling was reviewed because the ruling clearly amounted to a, a departure from all known principles of law. So when the Supreme Court first ruled in his favor, he heard the ruling. And when the Supreme Court ruled against him, he sought to castigate the ruling. That's what I'm saying that it's, it's very hypocritical. Very hypocritical and I do not think that we must pay, pay so much attention to it. Indeed, the General Secretary of the NDC also accused the administration of, in his words, weaponizing the court. He what? said weaponizing the court. By that he meant the administration was using the court uh, to whip in line 
uh, the opposition opinion. Uh, you are the Attorney General. Uh, are these are these allegations that would want to take kindly to or respond to uh, uh, that thing under your tenure? Well, for me, it, it constitutes a clear attempt to undermine efficient administration of justice in the country. It constitutes an attempt to interfere with a sound administration of justice and that borders on contempt of court. As far as I'm concerned, no foreign entity can influence or interfere with the course of justice in the country. Justice emanates from the people of Ghana. The Constitution makes the Supreme Court of Ghana the highest court of, 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 of the country. The decisions of the Supreme Court of Ghana, or indeed any other court in Ghana, is not subject to review by any foreign body. So as far as I'm concerned, all these attempts by the NDC is actually an attempt to infringe on the sovereignty of Ghana. Sovereignty under Article 1 resides the people of Ghana. And of course, it is the Constitution which is a fundamental of, of the country. And I'm saying the Constitution itself has made the Supreme Court and all the other courts set out under the judicial architecture final. Decisions from those courts are final and not subject to review by any foreign entity at all. So the, the, the fact that they have written to the Commonwealth, does it raise any cause of issue uh, that you are going to have to respond to or anything of that sort as Attorney General? It's an unnecessary distraction. An unnecessary distraction which of course will amount to not amount not, as I said, because sovereignty resides the people of Ghana and justice is administered by the judiciary set up under the constitution of Ghana and not by foreign courts. And as I indicated, even Afewoyomi, when he had recourse to the African Court of Human Rights, was so the same thing. It is only a clear case of palpable violation of a person's human rights that a foreign court may, um, that's an African Court of Human Rights in this instance, may intervene. In the absence of that, there is no way a decision of the Supreme Court of Ghana or any other court of Ghana can actually be started to review by any any foreign court. So I I, I, I deem this as a, as a clear attempt to undermine the sovereignty of the Republic and same as not be condoned. That was Godfrey Yeboadami, the Attorney General and Minister for Justice. And he sounds there very unhappy with the position taken by the NDC. The largest opposition party uh, wrote or penned a petition to Commonwealth of Nations uh, describing a uh, lot of issues in there as injustices of the Akufado administration, essentially reporting Ghana to Commonwealth and asking Commonwealth to move in, come and investigate and take action if need be in line with the Harare uh, Convention. Now, uh, the Attorney General there is not particularly excited. Let's speak to a member of the NDC. That petition was signed by the General Secretary, uh, but let's speak to the Communications Officer, National Communications Officer, that is uh, Sami Jemfi. Mr. Jemfi, welcome to Eyewitness News. Uh, you are a lawyer. Um, the foremost lawyer in Ghana has spoken, and he says what you have done as a party amounts to uh, you know, undermining the sovereignty of Ghana, which is contrary to Article, um, well, the first article in the Constitution of 1992. How do you respond to that? Thank you, Sander, and uh, good evening to your cherished listeners. The claim by the Attorney General that our petition to the Commonwealth of Nations to investigate um, cases of gross human rights violations of NDC supporters and leading members by the Kufuado Bawumia administration is an attack on the sovereignty of this country is um, very ridiculous and laughable to say the least. Because yes, 
Ghana is an independent, sovereign country. We all know that. But as an independent and sovereign country, we have voluntarily joined various organizations. And one of those organizations is the Commonwealth of Nations, which we joined in 1957 under the leadership of our first president, President Dr. Kwame Nkrumah. Since then, we've been committed to the values and the ideals of the Commonwealth of Nations. And one of those important values is the respect for personal liberties and fundamental human rights and freedoms. Uh, you may be aware that in 1991, uh, the Commonwealth of Nations issued what is called the Harari Declaration, in which they stressed on the importance for member countries to respect and promote the fundamental human rights of their people, because according to them, the maintenance of peace and stability, okay, um, 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 good governance and respect for human rights is uh, uh, a cornerstone for the maintenance of peace and stability in every nation. And so if, as citizens of Ghana, and as the largest opposition party in this country, we have observed gross violation of human rights, of journalists, of NDC supporters and members, it is within our right. In fact, it is we have a civic duty and a duty to the Commonwealth of Nations to draw that organization's attention to that so that they can advise the government of Ghana uh, accordingly. We, nobody is saying that this petition is a judicial act which can lead to the review of any judicial decision in Ghana. And if you read the petition, we've made it clear that we are only uh, seeking the intervention of the Commonwealth of Nations, okay, which intervention basically refers to they intervening, cautioning the government if their investigations establish that the allegations we are making are true, and ensuring that they, they, they monitor this, the human rights situation in Ghana and advise the government to uphold the ethos and values of the Commonwealth of Nations, paramount to which is the respect of fundamental human rights. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And that ha doesn't have any, any um, um, that cannot undermine the sovereignty uh, and independence of Ghana in any way. What this attorney general, who is supposed to also be a minister for justice, but has turned himself into a minister for injustice, should be concerned about. That, 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 that sounds a bit offensive, doesn't it? Um, How is that offensive? What do you if mean I by... If I say that mm. is... Is, is, is somebody who stands for injustice. What is offensive about that? How, that how, how, do, you, how do you prove that? Ah, my brother, in 2019, we went for a by-election at Ayawasu West Wagon. Innocent, unarmed civilians brutalized, some maimed, beaten, some sustained life-threatening injuries under the hands of state-sponsored goons who were told belong to the national security. And, the, and these were ordered by Godfrey Dami? I'm not saying that they were ordered by him. So how do you how do you blame him and refer to him as a minister for injustice for a deployment that was not done by that? He has not denounced any of those happenings. Oh, but but, but is that how is that how it works, Mr. Jenfi, that 
That, that is how it went. That his inaction or his lack of statements necessarily means he 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 gave you that direction. I'm not, I'm not sure that's I'm not sure that's fair to him. I'm just saying that he's a minister for justice and attorney general. He's, no, he, he's, he's a minister for injustice. No. Because the, if you have an attorney general, Sammy, you can go to Sammy, the United Sammy, Kingdom. Sammy, no, Sammy, Sammy, it is, I, I, Sammy, I want us to have... I, I know, I'm doing an interview with you. That's why it's fair to ask you and ensure that we are on the right path. Um, the portfolio, the proper portfolio for the man we are discussing is a Minister for Justice and Attorney General. I'll be grateful if you can stick to that and make your point. His portfolio um, is Attorney General and Minister for Justice. Fantastic. But in reality, no. he's the Minister for Injustice. No. I am entitled I'm, I'm, to that, no, and there is you, nothing you can say to change that. And so if you will allow me to substantiate what I'm saying, I will do so. But you cannot tell me if Godfrey Dami has become an agent of injustice. We have, we have to call him out. He's not about reproach. The Attorney General has said, Mr. Jemfi, that you are just um, um, crying wolf where there is none. He says that the courts are the place that you can go to seek justice. Indeed, in reference to the Oponi case that you have added to your petition, he recollects that Opuni had won some victory in the courts, which victory you and his, him celebrated. But after things turned against you in a review process, which is allowed in law, you are claiming injustice. How do you celebrate one victory in the same court and describe another uh, defeat as injustice? Are you not picking and choosing which he calls hypocritical? Not at all. You see... If you read our complaint to the Commonwealth of Nations about the opening case, we are talking about two issues. One has to do with the prosecution, the conduct of the prosecution, that is the government of Ghana. One also has to do with the conduct of the judge who is presiding over the case. With regards to our complaint about the prosecution, here referring uh, specifically to how Mr. Goffredane has conducted this case, it's got nothing to do with the court. We are saying that if you are prosecuting somebody for an alleged criminal offense, and through your investigation you come by exculpatory evidence, evidence that is critical to the innocence of that person, it is tried legal length that you must make that evidence available to this person and also person. Mr. Godfrey, knows that as part of the investigation matter. They came by witness statements filed by Kufanek, which indicated that the third fertilizer, which was ordered by Dr. Puni from Agricult, were fit for purpose and actually boosted their yield farmers. Why did this so-called Minister for Justice press critical and conflictory evidence from the accused persons and their lawyers? Again, but, but that does not take away... If I can just learn. Yeah, so this is a different issue you're discussing. I just want... You would get there, but in the specific issue where you celebrated the victory of Opuni in court... No, that, that, so, so, that, so don't pick and choose. Let me deal with it holistically. No, so that I, I'm, I'm just saying that you acknowledge that that happened, that there was at least one victory for your side. Which victory you celebrated? Sandra we will come to that. But first of all, let's deal with actions by the Attorney General and the prosecution which undermine Opuni's right to fair trial. I have spoken about the suppression of exculpatory evidence. I've given you one instance. It's an alternative 
test which was done by the Ghana Standards Authority, which confirmed that the fertilizer which was ordered by Dr. Prof. Agricole was tested and was found to be fit for purpose. Yet, this critical exculpatory evidence was also suppressed and concealed by the General and the prosecution. If you act in this manner, we are all within our right to say that you are pursuing injustice. You are persecuting the accused and not prosecuting them. With regards to the judge, the way the conduct of the case by the judge, which is what you want me to talk about, we have said that number one, Justice Konyanyuga is on record to have openly campaigned for the re election of President Kufuado when he knows that he is prescribed by Article 276 from doing so because he's in chief. Again, he knows that he is prescribed from engaging in politics per the code of ethics of judges. And yet, he went out there and told his people to vote for President Kufuado. Apart from that, the judge, he knows that all criminal accused persons are presumed, are supposed to be presumed innocent until they plead guilty or are proven to be guilty by a court of competence jurisdiction. Yet, in his ruling, on the application for submission of no case, he made definite, exclusive statements that suggested that he has already found the accused person guilty, even before the accused person had opened his defense. And that, for us, is unacceptable. And in this case, we side with the opinion of the three justices of the Supreme Court who said that what the judge did was a clear case of bias and therefore prohibited him from continuing uh, to preside over the case. We side with that, and we are saying that his continuous um, um, handling of the case for us will not give the accused person justice. Because if you look at the statement he made in that ruling, it is clear that he has already made up his mind against the accused person. We also spoke about the decision by this trial judge to exclude 18 exhibits which were served by the prosecution. Tended these uh, 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 exhibits to their own witnesses without objection from the defendant. The exhibits admitted as part of the evidence before the court. And yet, in Justice's ruling on the application for submission of no key, he excluded all these 18 exhibits, which by their very content, escorted the accused persons from any liability. And others accepted exhibits which were filed through the same witnesses and in that same manner. This, in our opinion as a political party, is unfair, it is unjust, and violates the right of the accused persons to a fair trial. Okay. We have raised it in court, we have adopted all our belief processes, we still think we have not had justice, and we are we are well within our right to talk about this or to raise some of these concerns with organizations that God is a member of. And I don't see why Mr. Gospedani should have any problem with us expressing our freedom of expression. Okay. Making complaints to organizations that Ghana is a member of. M Mr. Genvi, you, you are a lawyer. I believe you know that our judiciary is self-correcting and that if you find anything wrong in any way, you can use the same judiciary to correct that. And that's why yeah, that's, we have the appellate system. And, and, and the yeah. question that would now come after you've made the statements you've made is whether or not you do not have the appellate system before you or as, a, as an option that you can, uh, you know, take 
and whether or not you have taken you have taken that appellate system and if you have why don't you wait for that appellate system to conclude before you go reporting ghana elsewhere the answers that i'll give to this yes there is we have an appellate system here in our justice administration process but that is not mutually exclusive uh, from the right of of the freedom of expression the fact that i have the right to challenge a court ruling does not take away my right to criticize that court ruling the fact that i have the right to challenge the conduct of a judge through the justice system does not take away my freedom of criticizing that judge. So the two are not mutually exclusive. Number two, that appellate system you mentioned has its limits. It ends at the Supreme Court. It ends with the review panel of the Supreme Court. And most of the issues we are talking about are issues that we have challenged all the way out to, the, to, to, to that level. That is the, the review panel of the Supreme Court. And if we feel that the decision of the review panel of the Supreme Court is unjust and unfair, we are well within our right to say so. In any case, any law student will tell you about the case of Inre which was a unanimous decision by the Supreme Court of this country, upholding the Preventive Detention Act, which was passed by the Nkoma regime. Even though the Supreme Court, in a unanimous decision, said that there was nothing wrong with that law and the detention of Bafu Akutu and seven others, lawyers and judges in this country say that that decision was a travesty of justice. And in fact, that decision is the most unpopular decision in our judicial system, even though that decision was a unanimous decision. And so the suggestion that, oh, the courts have already determined the case against Dr. Pumi, you cannot raise issues of human rights violations, is neither here nor there. So the courts, yes, are, the courts are not circumstances. The courts are not infallible. They can err. And if they err in a way that undermines the rights of criminally accused persons, and we think that that will deny the accused persons justice, we have every right to raise that. But okay. not just that. Shouldn't all of us, in conclusion, Sandra, be concerned about the gruesome murder of Ameswali, the, the, the brutalities that innocent civilians suffered during the December 7, 2020 elections, the brutalities innocent civilians suffered at the hands of state-sponsored goods and staff, as I was always forgot. The president and the attorney general and, and the man you want me to call as minister for justice have not even condemned these atrocities. They've not compensated the families. They've, they've done nothing to show that they do not support these acts of violence against citizens. Look at how media men are being haunted in Ghana. Is, is the human rights situation in Ghana something that you stand up are proud of? Is it something that we as Ghanaians should be proud of? And so if we are all proud of how a man who, who was once touted as a human rights activist and the paragon of the rule of law has simply turned himself into a constitutional despot, counting political opponents and justice as critical of his government, why shouldn't we be raising our voices and speaking up against these ills in our society? Okay. The, of the, international community. The, the Commonwealth of Nations cannot come and make any decision that will be binding on our court, but at least they have a voice. And they, if this government and their leaders still have a conscience, we think that they will listen to them if they investigate this and realize that we are speaking the truth and give them any caution or advice. But if they decide not to listen to them, all of this can choose to suspect Ghana from that organization, like they did to Zimbabwe a few years ago, when they saw that Zimbabwe, even though they 
where a member of the Commonwealth of Nations were acting contrary to the the values and the ideals of the Commonwealth of Nations. Okay, that's fine. And I agree we don't get them. The Attorney General has said that no foreign entity can interfere in Ghana's institutions. That's a point he made in response to what you just said now. But in concluding, he has challenged your side that, to... No, no one has said that any foreign entity should interfere. I'm just in saying that... He, I'm just saying what he said. And I'm saying that he has added that you should mount a credible defense in court and not engage in the discourse of public opinion is it the case that you don't have lawyers to probably represent you for, for let's take the opinion example there are so many there's the chairman of the but let's take the opinion example again how what, what will what will a credible defense amount to before a judge who has made very prejudicial statements okay against a criminally accused person who has made statements that shows clearly, in our opinion, as a party, that there is a real likelihood of bias should be to preside over that case because he has already pronounced the criminally accused person even before they opened their defense. So we are we, we are not saying that accused persons don't have any credible defense. What we are saying is that let there be fair trial, arraign them before a judge that all of us can feel confident. It's fair and will do justice. But if you look at the circumstances of this case and how the matter is being handled by the presiding judge, how the matter is being handled by the prosecution, we don't think that justice will be done because of all the issues that I have articulated. And that is not the case. Okay? And so we should not even limit it to that. Let's also look at violations of the rights of journalists, like Captain Smart, even when courts of competent jurisdiction. Grant people bail, this government should incarcerate them, detain them against efforts of the court, even when bail conditions have been satisfied. This should not be happening in Ghana 30 years after multi party constitutional democracy. And it's not happening in a Ghana that is a member of the Commonwealth of Nations. L let's leave it here for now. Thank you so much. Uh, Sami Jemfi is National Thank Communications you, Officer for the National Democratic. Congress. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Show is around the globe on citynewsroom.com as well as around the country and a number of affiliate stations. It's an interactive uh, show. Do send us your views using all the platforms that we have advertised earlier. A number of you have done so using WhatsApp. Uh, Nashika will share some of the messages. Right, Sandra, this one is from Sir Obama from Pokwasi, and he says the Leonard AG couldn't have put it better. The petition by the NDC to the Commonwealth is directionless and purposeless, and same must be justiciant, he said. Um, they can't use this obnoxious to uh, escape justice. Sami Jemfi should spare our ears. Uh, the next one is from... Mefahu from Tamale, and he says the NDC's petition to the Commonwealth Secretariat is hypocritical, misleading. They should be active in building uh, Ghana as we put all hands to the plot to, with Ghana beyond aid. Um, this one is from uh, Ho. That's a message from Strive in Ho, and he says the Attorney General. Uh, should also prosecute the Minister of Health since he's also signed a contract with a foreign entity without the approval of Parliament. Okay, move on to Babamu. Uh, Babamu from Tamale Central says the petition by the NDC to the Commonwealth is just misleading and nothing else. Send your message as well, 0549 986 
0906-0549-986-996. Let the world know what you think. On Twitter, Kofiada says the president is um, a failed politician. Why does he need E-Levy to survive when Ashanti is a stronghold and contributing 2% as greater Accra does 90%? That is where the unpaid taxes sit. What of cutting his profligacy of luxurious jet and uh, 2 V8 for himself in a trip? Alex Kofiada says, I'm beginning to fear... Um, the Ghan or fear for the Ghanaian economy because apart from the severe hardship, it is stopped up by non-payment of salaries and time. Lukman Bashiru says teachers go to the bank on March 1 to take their February salaries only to be told that no payments have been made. This is very sad. Reality is catching up with us. That's a message he's sending from Akumesu. And uh, this one from Daniel Atia says, Good evening, Omaru. Some public servants having received their February salaries, Bagbin is indeed the number three. And that's a message from Dan So. And Mr. K says, Why is MPP perturbed about the NDC calling on African human rights courts of their abuse of uh, those who oppose them? Why are they not arresting their own who have been caught on video taking money? What about the health minister who has violated all procurement laws? So Obama in Pokwasi said, The learned AG couldn't have put it better. The petition by the NDC to the Commonwealth is directionless and purposeless and say must be jettisoned. Okay, I think that message already came through via WhatsApp. Uh, A.U. Farouk in Tamale is not. It says the atten Attorney General thinks the law belongs to him and the MPP. One day, another person will take his position. Uh, this one from Kojo Mensah says, Mr. Dami is castigating the NDC today for taking his MPP government to the Commonwealth or because his party is in office today. Will Mr. Dami be happy if he comes from Sao? And till date, they are not represented in Parliament. No one knows. Tomorrow, Danny says, tell Sami and his NDC to mount their defense in court and uh, not public opinion. If they have done nothing wrong, they should prove innocence and stop crying like a baby who needs um, milk. P.K. Bansa says, either the petitioners of the Commonwealth for claims on human rights and violations in Ghana are ignorant of the benchmark for determining human rights issues or they are only seeking to provide partisan um, Haven for their corrupt members. Shame. You see, Lukman Bashir says, nailing it right. That's Sami Jeffy. Killing, keep doing the good work, comrade. The NDC will forever be proud of you. Uh, lots of your messages are coming through. Please send your messages or using the hashtag City Newsroom. Tweet at Umaru Sanda or at City973. And the world will hear what you think. Eyewitness News will be back shortly. Don't go away. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. You're welcome back to Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Uh, it's payday. That was yesterday or the day before. Or if you work in the public service, it could have even been last Friday. But we are told it hasn't you know, hit the account or the alert has not dropped. At least that's what lots of government workers are saying. We've received complaints from nurses, from doctors. Actually, teachers called a press conference today at which press conference they said, they have not been paid. Enjo Kabonu is the president of the Graduate Teachers Association of Ghana. He joins us on the line. Mr. Kabonu, you are welcome to Eyewitness News. Uh, you gave us an indication yesterday you were not paid, but we were told that there were processes happening. It is some eight minutes past 6 p.m. tonight, uh, a day after the death of February. Have you received your alert? No. How about your members? Well... I have received complaints, but I have not received any confirmation of payment yet. 
and this is across the board or maybe persons who bank or do business in certain so banks? I think it's across, it's across the public sector. Do you have any idea why? No. What is your message to the government? Well, I think before, by, by, by November each year, or later by middle of December each year, Controller and Accountant General comes out with the payment schedule for the whole year. Uh, that is the, 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 the year, the next year coming. So, and they give that, and I think the date they gave for February was 26th of February. So that was not, so this was one of the many issues we captured during our press conference today. Okay, so basically, what's the procedure? Um, do you get to know the dates you will receive your salary at the beginning of the month? How does it work? What has been the procedure well, in the past? The various dates for the whole year is given by a controller to uh, the various, uh, to the public. So it's a public document. And the dates for payment are announced on, 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 uh, on that announcement. So the worker knows when he or she uh, is supposed to receive his or her salary. Which means you know when December salary will be paid, for instance. Oh, yes. And the date you were given for February was when? 25th. That was last week? Yes. Where does the money come from? Controller? Yes, controller pays. Uh, controller is a government conduit for paying salary for public sector workers. All right, and you do not know where the holdup is. Have you made a formal inquiry or even an informal one? Well, the issue happens today. We'll monitor the situation till noonday tomorrow, and then we'll start making inquiries. This is very strange to us, actually. We've been told that over the period, um, salaries for February would usually delay. Is that no. an experience that you can share? No, 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 no. Salaries. In fact, the schedule for payment this year is that by January 22nd, salaries will be paid for January. And then by February 22nd, salaries will be paid for February. February salaries do not usually delay because February is either 28 or 29 days. All right. Uh, before we go, there's a meeting happening in the Eastern Region. Which meeting you boycotted, you and your, your colleagues? Uh, there's yeah. an outcome there. Our correspondent, Neoni Amate Kanaku, has just filed a report. Let me read it for you and ask your take. Uh, it okay. says the Ministry of Employment and Labor Relations and uh, its national tripartite constituents have adopted a roadmap to strengthen tripartism for building peaceful labor relations and a resilient economy. The ministry and its tripartite constituents, who sat through a two-day national labor conference in Kweu, in Kwantia, in the eastern region, aimed at bringing finality to labor unrest, addressing state of the economy, sustainable pensions, among others, all in the interest of nation building, say they will be confident, or they are confident in the employment and labor front. They are confident that the employment and labor front will not be the same again. That's a minister for... Um, Employment and Labor Relations, I would be giving you his soundbite shortly so we hear exactly what he said. Meanwhile, the vice president, who was also there, Dr. Mahmoud Baumia, uh, expressed satisfaction with the outcome of the conference 
and assured participants and Ghanaians that government has not abandoned the Ghana Beyond Aid agenda and it remains committed to changing the COVID-19 induced ailing economic fortunes of the country. I'll let you listen to Ignatius Bafoy, even though he didn't go for his meeting, you boycotted it, but I'm sure whatever he says there will be binding on you. I want you to if you just indulge me. Let's listen to him and then ask your comment on that. That's fine. Prioritized by employers for the benefit of workers. The social partners should work together to consolidate these gains for better coverage, protection, and compliance. Government and organized labor should accelerate their engagements to ensure that all outstanding issues on the Temporal Pension Fund's account, TPFA, are resolved. Government should redefine pensionable income to include allowance and non-cash benefits to enhance benefits after retirement. NPRA should ensure regular actuarial assessment of SNITs and all the pension schemes for sustainability of the schemes. SNITs should deploy strategies to increase its enrollment base through the registration of self-employed workers and workers in the informal sectors. So that's the Minister for Employment and Labor Relations, Ignatius Bafuiwa. Um, I believe the part about the uh, pensions should excite you. Well, uh, let me say quickly that the surest way of ensuring people labor atmosphere is not in the standing of memorandum of understanding, but to ensure that what is due the Ghanaian worker is paid adequately and timely. So when we have a situation where what is due the Ghanaian worker is not uh, paid, agreements that have been reached are not adhered to by government, no matter the ink that goes into the signing of an MOU, that alone will not ensure peace and harmony in the labor atmosphere. In fact, when we talk about issues of pension, as we speak, there are a lot of pensioners who have been shortchanged because they have need contributions and the calculation of past credits was so inadequately done that those men and women who have served our country all these years are at home suffering. So when we have a situation like this, one cannot uh, sign a document and say one will ensure people and harmonious labor atmosphere. So one sure way to ensure peaceful and harmonious ad atmosphere is to pay the Ghanaian worker properly pay the Ghanaian worker economic wages, make sure the wages and emoluments are paid on time, then we can ensure that there is peace and harmony in the labor front. Very well. Thank you for speaking to us, sir. Thank you. That's Angel Kabonu, uh, president of NAGRAT. And let me just say that we've made contact with the finance ministry. We've been told that funds have been released, and indeed uh, we are receiving information that payments have been made and salaries should be in the accounts of people. Uh, but you've heard Daniel Carbono leading his blog saying that they've not been paid. Other people have said the same to us as well. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. Let's move on to some other stories and uh, Nashika will help us. 
Right now, President Kufuado has announced plans by government to plant some 20 million trees this year. According to him, the depletion of the country's forest reserve mandates Ghanaians to play an active role in planting trees. Speaking at the launch of the 2022 Green Ghana Day, President Kufuado urged all to get involved. The fight against climate change must be a fight against deforestation and forest degradation. Even though we in Africa are the least contributors to climate change, with Africa contributing less than 4% of global emissions, we are determined to do our part to combat it. It is for this reason last year that we launched the Green Ghana Project as part of an aggressive afforestation and reforestation program. With your support and enthusiasm, we exceeded our target of 5 million trees on the Maiden Green Ghana Day by 2 million trees, thus reaching a total of 7 million trees. I'm informed that virtually all these trees are doing very well, and this encourages us to continue with the project and to do even more. This year, we've raised our target, and we've committed to plant at least 20 million trees. This requires that we mobilize the entire population to ensure that each Ghanaian and each foreigner, that is every resident in Ghana, plants at least one tree. That was President Ikufuado. Let's talk about Ukraine and Russia now. Our Ghanaian students who were stranded there have begun coming home. The first batch arrived today at the Kotoka International Airport. Sitting is Hansen. Ajiman was there and he's in the studio with me. Now, Hansen, you're welcome back. Um, um, how many students came? What is the plan of evacuation like from what the government has told us so far? 17 students arrived today at the Kotoka International Airport. We are told about more than 500 students currently have crossed over from Ukraine uh, to other neighboring countries. We are told that about 1,200 people are expected to be evacuated in, in total, and the government is uh, putting in place measures to ensure that all these people are evacuated. So uh, that is what we know with respect to the numbers. The students who arrived today were in high spirit, happy and excited that at least uh, they are back home and perhaps wait for what will be good for them. We spoke to some of them. three in the afternoon on Friday and then we got to the border at 6, 6 p.m. But then from 6 p.m. to 12, um, I think 6 a.m. in the morning, that's mm -hmm. when we were able to, so we had like a 12 hour crossing border fighting with Ukrainians and all of that. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious, especially the boys. The boys had it so badly. Yeah, but for the, for the girls, they also struggle, but it's better than the boys, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Men are over. So they were, what, they, they were basically preventing the uh, uh, African brothers? Preventing. It's not like they were preventing, but then again, it's like mothers come first, then females, mm -hmm. then ma males. Mm -hmm. You understand? So that's order. Were you stopped? Were you no, stopped? Uh, we were not stopped anywhere. At we the border? Were, at the border, you had to struggle because mm -hmm. there were thousands of people there. Mm -hmm. So you had to struggle your way through. Mm -hmm. If you struggle your way through, then uh, at the end of the border, the Romanians were like really cool. Mm -hmm. They provided us with everything because it was very cold. So we had like hot tea, everything that you would need oh, wow. to feel comfortable. So it was absolutely good crossing over from 
for Ukrainian border. But then if you were behind that border, yeah. you were going through hell. Were you, were you coming alone or were you with other students? Uh, I was with all my mates. How many were you? Um, I think we were 37 with Nigerians and Zimbabweans. But then Ghanaians were, I think, 23. 23? Yeah. There are only 16 of you, so what's happening yes, to the rest? So others, I can't talk about that. Okay, okay, okay. The other arrangements? Yes. For them. Wow, wow, wow. Interesting. Interesting. So who received you in Romania? Um, in Romania, I think the Church of Pentecost mm. received us. Yeah. Yes, wow. and then the people of Romania, like they were really nice. I think they had some like Orthodox associations. Mm. Everybody was just like doing, feeding us, doing everything for us. Mm. They would go around. Like, so were you in constant communication with your parents while you were on the journey? Yeah, but then like internet connection and yeah. all that. So, but yeah. then I was, I was. So I'm sure you're hungry, right? Ah, uh, yes. Any, any particular food you're looking forward to having? Okay, maybe bold, yeah, okay. and contemporary stew. Okay. <laughs> we spoke to the ministry, we spoke to the government, they gave us some instructions, we followed and then we are here now. Mm, I mean, when exactly? The, the invasion happened on the 24th of February. 24th, so were you, were you planning uh, prior to that? Yeah, for, from, from 24th, we've been in talks with the government and then we were still urging people to actually leave if you have money, just go. Mm. So from 24th, when we heard that um, my my society and I, yeah. my leader, but my leader, my leadership body, mm. we, we said that we need to move immediately. Mm. So we started our, our evacuation on 25th, exactly on 25th, yeah. Mm. And we got to Romania on 26th. Did you walk? Because uh, I'm yeah. hearing people walk for seven hours. What yeah, was your experience? We, we trekked, yeah, we trekked as well. Because cars are not moving, so you need to trek. So for how long did you, did you trek? I think, I, I didn't keep time, but I think two, three hours we yeah. trekked for, yeah. Wow, wow. I mean, I heard there were some troubles for especially the men at the border. I mean, did you experience that? Yeah, I mean, for Romanian border, during our time, I can't talk for others, but yeah. during my um, 23 or 24 people we yeah. came with, yeah. the others were actually straight. Mm. Women, children, come first. Mm. Men wait behind. I just wanted to die. I just wanted to stay there. I didn't want to continue. But, you know, my parents were calling me that, don't worry, continue. We are waiting for you. And the government was very good. When we were, the ambassador came to meet us at, in Romania, and then they sent us to a hotel, fed us, because we didn't eat. We were very hungry. So those are some Ghanaian students who were brought back, 17 of them brought back today by the government. Um, Hansen, we have way more than 17 students in Ukraine, don't we? What's the state of affairs in relation to the other students who are still there? And again, those who have not come and their parents and so on. What's been happening in Ghana? So the uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs also met with uh, parents of these students at the Accra International Conference Those who are yet to come? Or those who are yet come? to come. And mm -hmm. some of the parents whose words arrived today also joined that meeting. And the forum was to give a platform for both the ministry and the parents to dialogue on how best to deal with the situation. The ministry, on their part, um, gave the, 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 the timelines, even though they were not there were no specific timelines as to when they were going to evacuate the rest of the students. But... They gave an update on how they were going to evacuate them. And the Minister for Foreign Affairs, Shelly Ayukobocho, was very clear in her words that there were some students and some Kenyans in Ukraine who did not want to be part who did not want to take part in the evacuation exercise, which she thought was dangerous because even though government could not force them, it was going to be wrong for them to take use this as an opportunity to stay in the European countries as illegal immigrants, and he gave them a, wrong, a, a strong caution. Let's listen to the minister now. For those of them who think 
that this is an opportunity for them to enter into Europe. Europe is not safe, not because there is war extended to Europe, but their immigration services are very alert. And the last thing we want is for any student or any Ghanaian entering into a country only to be arrested. At least what government is doing, which is to offer to bring them back, is with the greatest respect parents and families, is at least taking some bedding off you so that in the future, when things calm down and life returns to normal, you can send your children back. Once again, I, I wish to express my gratitude to missions and honorary consuls who have worked closely with the ministry to ensure the desired outcomes. So that's the Minister for Foreign Affairs, um, Renable Shelley Ayoko Boche. Do we know when the next batch is coming? What else has government said? We are not clear. And these are some of the concerns of the parents. They think that government should give them clear timelines on when these students should come, will, will be in Ghana. Again, they have issues with the sort of treatment that these students allege that they are receiving on the borders with issues with uh, discrimination and they're asking the government to address them. The minister also gave them the assurance that they're addressing that. Immediately these videos started uh, circulating. African Union and ECOWAS have issued statements. And therefore you would find that in the last couple of days, day or so, this is not so. From Lviv, we've, we've received many students who are male students. Even in Sumi, we've read the male students are going to get on buses. We are working with the nooks to assist, and they are working with us very well. So, yes, we've seen these videos, but the, our continental body, AU, has complained, and everybody now is on alert. The Ukrainian embassy to Ghana is in Abuja. I called them and spoke to them and told them that this is what we are getting. They assured me that they were sure that that doesn't happen. I'm told that because of the complaints that also we, we have made officially, one of the countries, they've decided that they will go through the, the queues and pick, handpick Ghanaians and help them to cross over. Is this Slovakia? Yes, I'm told it's Slovakia. So we are keenly watching and um, monitoring the situation. And if there are any more reports, we will quickly work with it. That was the Minister for Foreign Affairs, Shelley Ayoko Boche, and uh, earlier you heard Sitting Hansen Ajiman. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF, and we'll come back. Ellen Dapai is in studio to bring you the latest in the world of business. And then we have Point Blank, and it has to do with a strike by university teachers, plus the fuel prices that have broken the eight. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get into the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, brought to you by Vodafone and powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Ellen Dapa. Let's settle for the details now. The Traders Advocacy Group Ghana says consumers should prepare for major increases in the prices of goods on the market in the coming days. According to the group, the depreciation of the CD against the dollar, coupled with the recent increase in duties at the ports, has further worsened their plight. Speaking during the press conference held earlier today, Treasurer 
of the group, Irene Odum, stressed that as the trading public continues to grapple with these challenges and the lingering impact of the pandemic, they have no other option than to increase their prices to stay afloat. This dollar thing, I, I, I created a scenario not long ago that we had a meeting and one of our sisters in Abosokai imported some batteries. The duty she paid in December was about 74,000. When she imported again in January, she had to pay 115,000. My brother, check the difference just on the dollar that was given. So if the dollar is being increased, the difference on the capital alone is huge. Now the import duty is also going with the benchmark at 80%. It's also going to go up. At the end of the day, you have to increase the goods to make up all those monies that you've paid so that you can import again. If not, then you, if, you, if, you, if you say you're not going to increase, how will you get money to import again? So we definitely have to increase the goods so that we can import. Treasurer of the Traders Advocacy Group Ghana, Irene Odum. Now, Ghanaian passengers who have successfully been admitted into the country with their Ghana cards have expressed satisfaction in the new verification process upon their arrival at the Kotuka International Airport. This comes after the passengers went through due processes supervised by the Ghana Immigration Service at the airport to verify their cards against the National Identity Register to accept them into the country instead of the use of the Ghana passport. The Ghana Immigration Service yesterday announced to the public that beginning today, March 1st, a valid Ghana card will be accepted for nationals and dual nationals returning to the country. Some of the passengers have been speaking to City News. I mostly use my, my passport when I'm entering the country and to compare the passport and then the Ghana card, as in the first time using a Ghana card, I feel the Ghana card saves time because in less than two minutes I was still to take my picture. So I would opt for the Ghana card in terms of traveling or using other immigration when coming into the country. Um, well, basically I, I would say I just looked at the time because I just want to be out of here anytime I travel because I want to go my rest. And then I, I, I feel the time is the most important thing for me, how long I spent here. So I just got there, gave him my card, and then in less than two minutes, I was asked to just take a picture and leave. Yes, I feel, I feel everybody should do the Ghana card. It shouldn't be like, I'm not going to travel, I'm, not, I'm never going to travel, so I'm not going to do the Ghana card because you don't know when you're going to need it. When we're doing it in 2018, we didn't know it was going to be used to travel. So we don't know what next is going to happen in a year or two. So I feel everybody should go in for the Ghana card because that's what you're a Ghanaian, so you should have your Ghana card. Yes, I did, and it was easy. Holding stressful just took it and I don't know that they use it. Um, Okay, so compared to the passports, the other ones that you've been using previously, and the Ghana card, uh, how is it, uh, what's the difference, and uh, what will you say the comparisons are? Okay, it's my first time of um, traveling, so I haven't used it for several times, but I think I, I don't see much difference in it. I can't tell much, much difference in it. Those were some passengers who were admitted into the country today with their Ghana cards. Meanwhile, the head of public relations for the Ghana Immigration Service, Superintendent Michael Amwakwata, has been outlining the processes involved in using the Ghana card as a travel document. When the flight arrived, we captured the process to the designated booths where these Ghanaians holding Ghana cards were processed. 
and indeed we did also confirm that they were arrived and processed on their Ghana cards. First, there was a verification of the genuineness of the card and the legal holder of the card, after which they were admitted into the country. So that's basically the process. And again, like we said in the release, for now, the first step is for Ghanaians traveling into Ghana. If we want to go further and use the Ghana card to travel to other jurisdictions, then, like we said in the communication, Ghana should have bilateral agreement with any other country that will want to have that kind of reciprocal travel agreement with us. But for now, there's nothing in the offing. What we are doing now is to help Ghanaians come to Ghana on the Ghana card. And most importantly also, for dual national card holders, they do not need to apply for visas. So now the card will up the need for a visa. And you just come in, you are cleared, and you go. Superintendent Michael Amwakwata is the head of public relations for the Ghana Immigration Service. Starting today, March 1st, consumers of liquefied petroleum gas, LPG, will have to pay 80 pesos more per litre. This was confirmed by the LPG Marketing Company Association of Ghana. The Institute for Energy Security is predicting a 4% increase in the prices of LPG, diesel and petrol at the pumps in the first pricing window of March. This has been blamed on the sharp depreciation of the city against the dollar, as well as the jump in prices on all the international oil and four markets due to the Russia-Ukraine tensions. Gabriel Kumi is the vice chairman of the LPG Marketing Company Association of Ghana, and he spoke to City Business News. The LPG is expected to go up by some 6%, and that will translate into about 80 Ghana pesos. Uh, currently, as, as we speak now, the pump price of the LPG is about 9 30 pesos. If you slap that 80 pesos on the 9 30 pesos, we are looking at buying the LPG at uh, about 10 cities. 10 pesos, between 10 cities, 10 pesos, and 10 cities, 20 pesos, beginning today. Uh, price because of the international dynamics, because of uh, what is happening in Ukraine. Uh, crude oil price has shot up to about 100 and over 100 dollars now. Unfortunately, our city is also not doing badly. It's doing very, very bad. I mean, uh, currently our city is reported to be the worst performing currency in Africa. And if it's the worst in Africa, then you can you can safely assume that it's the worst in the world. So these two unfortunate situations have, have shot up the price of the product, both finished product and crude oil. Gabriel Kumi is the vice chairman of the LPG Marketing Company Association of Ghana. Away from that, the Ghana Infrastructure Investment Fund has partnered with the Ga with the International Finance Corporation, a member of the World Bank Group, to introduce a standardized and certification system in the country. The system, known as the Excellence in Design for Greater Efficiencies, will aid in the reduction of energy consumption in buildings while lowering greenhouse gas emissions. In an interview with City Business News, projects lead with the international finance company, Dennis Kwanza, said the system will eventually move the construction industry in Ghana to a lower carbon and a more resource-efficient path through certified green buildings. The incremental cost of going green when you're using edge is actually not 10%. It's, it's far lower than that. Um, from our experience and from projects that we've worked on, it's usually between 0 to 3%, especially when you incorporate the green right from the design stage. Uh, sometimes it's, it's around 0 
right? The 10% is, uh, is the exception, I mean, is the uh, perception that some people have that going green is that expensive. But um, our experience has been different. Now, with regards to financing, I mean, that's one of the main reasons we have these collaborations with GIF, where GIF is now looking at financing projects that are green. I mean, even though the certification that we just did, the handover we did was for every sort, GIF is actually looking at doing more of affordable housing and then student accommodation, right? And they are making sure that projects that are green are going to get these financing. So the financing that are going to provide, first of all, is going to help um, these projects to be able to um, meet the green standard. Also, on our IFC side, um, what we are doing is making sure that our financing is going to projects that are green. That was the project lead with the international finance company, Dennis Kwanza. And that will be all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was brought to you by Vodafone and powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Ellen Dapa. Up next is Points Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Welcome back. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. I am Umaru Sandamadu. Tonight on Point Blank, two issues. One, the price of fuel. Two, the strike by university teachers. So for more than a month, university teachers have been on strike under the umbrella body of University Teachers Association of Ghana. They have several issues that they raise with government, issues that date back to 2013 or so. Over the years, in more than a decade, they say they've not been successful in dealing with the issues that they've been raising. Every now and then they'll go on strike. There's a conversation, the strike is suspended. In 
2021, they began the year with a strike. 2022, I beg your pardon. They suspended the strike, but that suspension is subject to ratification by the uh, local branches in all the 14 or the 15 universities across the country. That ratification is happening, and it seems the nays have it. As many as are in favor say aye. There were two that said aye for the suspension, and those who were against said nay. And the nays appear to have it. We'll talk about that. But before then, let's talk about the price of fuel, which will affect the trotro fare that you'll be paying, and the taxi and the Uber. And if you have a private car, how much it will cost you to fill up at the fuel station. Dan Kanamwa is with the Chamber of Petroleum Consumers. That is COPEC. He has been monitoring the space and speaking for Ghanaians. Duncan, you're welcome to Point Blank. We're receiving news tonight that at total filling stations, the figure has crossed the 8 CD mark. They have essentially broken the 8. What else do you know? What is happening? How safe are we? Duncan? Hello, sir. Apologies, sir. We've lost Duncan. I'm one there. We'll try to re-establish contact with him. Back this time, hopefully, hopefully on a better line to Mr. Duncan. I'm, 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 I'm just uh, before I, I I lost you there, um, explaining that we have seen the price list at total filling station, and the figure is beyond eight CDs. Uh, it's eight CD twenty nine pesos. Have you seen the figures as in the price of fuel at other filling stations or fuel stations, and what does this mean to us? Good evening to your listeners. Uh, truth be told, what Total is currently quoting, HCD29, uh, is on the downside. Uh, rather, what the market figures genuinely could have been, uh, somewhere around HCD70 at this time. And so, although our projections are within range, it is quite certain that the oil marketing companies and the BDCs are themselves taking a shave. Uh, taking a shave in the sense the city is doing so badly at this point. Uh, taking a shave in the sense world market prices, uh, as far as international market price uh, benchmarks are concerned, uh, have all shot up. And so realistically, 
uh, fuel at the pumps could have been around 8 CD, 70 at this point, but we are just that's uh, That for us uh, is to say that the oil marketing companies are being a bit magnanimous because nothing so far has been done as far as uh, these price escalations uh, is concerned. We saw this coming. We projected. The IES also spoke about it. Uh, clearly, it is a lot easy to tell now where prices would head. Uh, but what authorities will do about it, we do not know. Sandra. Why would the OMCs be hiving off figures instead of sending to people? Is, is, what's, what's their interest, really? It's, it's not their business. They're just supposed to sell us they have it all. Well, Sander, it's a deregulated market. What you have is that people are also price sensitive and they will decide uh, between the most and the least sometimes who to go for. Mind you, if you pick the, the bigger three, uh, you get that unspoken competition between them as to what numbers should be. So uh, if you go too high and somebody wants to shave off uh, their margins, then traffic would probably end up uh, at their pumps uh, more than what you would probably uh, have also gotten. So there's a bit of competition between them, and that early is what the 40 Pesua uh, variant uh, probably can be explained for. But realistically, uh, per computations within, they could have been doing about 8 CD, uh, 68 CD, 70 at this point. Thunder. Can they keep, you know, hiving it, or is this a matter of time before we get to that feared figure? Uh, I do not know how long uh, the international market dynamics will be at play. If you take the Russia-Ukraine uh, uh, bit, the invasion, uh, if you look at what is the latest on there, it doesn't look as though uh, we are getting to an end anytime soon. Ukraine is actually uh, asking the EU uh, for military support, meaning it is ready to fight, and uh, this probably could be uh, a bit protracted. Uh, what that would mean is that international market prices will continue to surge. Again, you also have a situation where the city currently is not doing too well. Uh, sometimes, uh, most times in March, you would find the city gaining on major trading currencies like the dollar and uh, the pound, the euro. But surprisingly, uh, you've got into the month of March where the city should rather be appreciating and is rather uh, depreciating by the day. Uh, if the trends continue, Sander, I foresee the Ghanaian pump prices hitting nine city per litre. Uh, before the end of this very month, uh, we just began. What can government do, or what should government do? Hello, Sandra. I'm, I'm asking what can government do, or what should government do to avert that? I'm sorry, we have really... A Hello, Sandra. Yes, uh, Duncan, can you hear me? Hello? Apologies, uh, we lost Duncan Amwa there. Uh, the line is a bit dodgy. This is Eyewitness News, uh, the segment called Point Blank.
Let's move to education from the energy sector now and discuss UTAG, the University Teachers Association of Ghana. Professor Solomon Nunu is the national president of University Teachers Association of Ghana. Prof, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you very much. Before we talk about your issues, uh, for which reason you're on strike and what the status of your strike would be, let's discuss the salaries that you are paid, the meager ones that you are protesting against. Have they been paid? We are hearing from some public workers that they've not been paid. Have yours, has yours come through? Um, for university chairs, they have been paid. So far, it's one campus that has informed us that they are yet to be paid. But besides them, um, all of them have been paid. Okay, so again, the information I have as of now. I see. But out of curiosity, why sh why are you being paid for February when you've been on strike throughout February? That one you need to find out from my employer. Okay, no problem. Let's talk about your issues now. Uh, you called a neck meeting and... Uh, proposed a suspension or had a discussion over what government asked you to do and other stakeholders who have been begging you to call off your mm -hmm. strike. You announced a suspension of the strike, but you said that that suspension was subject to ratification by all your, your members at the base. Mm -hmm. They have been doing that process now. Can you give us the status report on who has voted how? Okay, so the average vote that has come in is about 75% of the voters um, accepting the suspension. Sorry, 25% accepting the suspension, whereas 75% have rejected the suspension of the strike action. So currently, that is what um, the situation stands after close of school yesterday. So 25% said, let's go back to the classroom, 25%. And 85% mm -hmm. said, no, let's go back home. Let's um, continue with our continue strike. Continue with the strike action. And this, this will be how many universities counting? Um, the universities, I think 12 of them, you know, we are accumulating them, about 12% of them, uh, sorry, 12 campuses actually said that they want the strike actually to continue, whereas three campuses said they want the strike to continue being suspended. So that is how the voting actually went. 12 out of 15, is that a, a good majority, yes. a majority you can work with? Yes, that's a majority. But I remember that we said we are giving ourselves from now to the 4th of March to uh, negotiation to take place. So as we stand here, we are waiting on negotiation how it goes. Um, depending on the outcome, now we have a clear indication from our members what we need to do come the 4th of March. Okay, so this uh, decision of your members will not come into force now. It can be triggered after the 4th of March. You, you cannot trigger that is it now. True. That is true. How, that is true. How is 4th of March coming in relation to your negotiations and discussions with government? Okay, so we have a meeting scheduled for um, tomorrow at 2.30 uh, p.m. So tomorrow's meeting will be having, and then we'll engage Thursday as well. So we scheduled for tomorrow and Thursday for negotiations meetings. We believe by close of the, depending on how things go, we need to take a firm decision. Okay, so by tomorrow, is tomorrow the first meeting you are having since? The, tomorrow will be the second meeting. Was the first we one? We had the first meeting last week, Thursday, where we basically, normally in every negotiation, the first meeting is used to uh, iron out whatever needs to be done within the period. Then the employer usually will go prepare adequately and come. And then to so the second meeting, we expect them to lay their cards 
um, within the uh, tomorrow. So once we know what their cards are, then the next day we can sit and then do the jaw join. That's when we may have to sit the whole of the day to talk about issues. So you may you meet tomorrow and you're also going to meet on Wednesday? Uh, then on, on, Thursday, th on Thursday. On Thursday, yes. So it is after Thursday that we'll know whether you are going to accept what your members are asking you to do, which is to continue mm -hmm. with the strike or mm -hmm. otherwise? Exactly. What would be the signs? What, what indicators should we be looking at? Um, it depends on what happens at the table. So at the negotiation, so, uh, in fact, we all try to go to the table. Prof, I'm losing you. Me now. Yes, it was breaking. Okay. Mm. So what I'm saying is that normally we go to the table to negotiate in good faith. So we go with an open mind, not with a kind of mindset that it's this or nothing else. So either party must come in with that open mindedness. So if the employer should come in tomorrow um, to the meeting and tell us that, okay, forget it, there's nothing for us, this is our son, the economy is so bad, we can't talk to you. That is fine. All we need to do is first of month to say, okay, we are back on the streets. We are no longer going to the lecture room. Or we also go in and we also need to say, judge all with them. So employ uh, employees or labor unions are always flexible when it comes to their negotiations. Oftentimes, it's the intransigence of employers that cause the strike actions to take place. This strike of yours, um, it may make the government unpopular. If you have members of your association who sympathize with the government, who are not happy with what you're doing, they are bound to form a breakaway union. And uh, we are actually hearing that there's a possibility of a breakaway union because not everybody is happy with uh, this long strike that you have embarked on. How are you going to cure a breakaway union as a result of your continuous quote-unquote attempt to make the government unpopular? Um, attempts to make the government unpopular, it's unfortunate for anyone to come from that angle. Because um, unfortunately, if we are to check with each of the executives, you will notice that they all um, belong to one political situation or the other. So it is never right for one to consider and say that this is being done uh, with a view of making the government unpopular. I'm a university teacher. I've been teaching for 13 years. So for the past few years that I've been teaching, conditions of service are not good. So I'm being told today that I don't know if my conditions are good or not. It will take a political angle for me to know that my conditions of service are bad. And for that matter, I should make the government unpopular. Utah has been on strike continuously for the past for six continuous weeks. We never heard about a breakaway group or... Uh, concerned the trade association or concerned UTAG members, that should tell you uni uh, unity in our action. That should tell you how united we are in what we are doing. It's important that at this time we all sit at the table with an open mind and willingness to negotiate in good faith. But insinuations and name calling by whoever from whatever angle wouldn't inure to anybody but anybody's benefit. And I think it will only co go ahead. Uh, to cause a lot of division between the employer and the employee at this time when we get to the table. And another question would be, if this problem has been there since 2013, why are you holding government to ransom at this time and not the previous government? Um, for all these years, if you have been following, 
I'm not too sure if you have followed most of these discussions over the years, but you'll notice that um, strike casting is not something starting just this year. We've been going back and forth on this matter for a while now. So you go, you sit at the table, some agreements may be reached, and so on and so forth. So this has been going on for a while now. It's not like all of a sudden, ITAC said they are going on strike. You can separate any of the um, government officials who are part of the negotiation team. They will tell you that this has been going back and forth. This particular negotiation cycle started in 2018. And from 2018 to um, August 2021, there was no strike action. So something to tell you that something went wrong along the line, and that is what caused the strike action to take place. Very well, Prof. Thank you. We'll be uh, following you tomorrow and the day after to see what happens with your meeting. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for having me. That's Professor Solomon Nunu. He's the National President of the University Teachers Association of Ghana. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadou. Production tonight was by Sixtus Dongulu, Zoe Abubeidu Ado, Beverly London. And the technical support from Daniel Squashi. We'll return tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Stay blessed. Good night. News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-976-732 and get interactive on Facebook City 97.3 FM and Twitter at City 973.